Welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. Join myself, Zorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. Today is a solo episode where I continue on the train going through the chakras. So in the first chakra installment, I went into some general information and history and misconceptions around the chakras. The second, I went into the first chakra, Muladhara chakra. Everything that it's about concerning the location, the shape, the yantra, uh, the little bija mantra that's involved, the psychological and behavioral components, its element. So today, we're going into the second chakra, Svadhisthana. So Svadhisthana simply means country of emotions. So Svadhi and Stana, right? So Stan, like um, if you can think of other countries that have that um, suffix so like Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan um, Pakistan right so um, Svadhisthana is this place of an entire country of emotion right and its element is water and this kind of makes sense right where when we are to think about our, our emotions I think intuitively we kind of just point to our gut, right? We we think that our intu- intuition is coming from there, this gut feeling, um, where we don't really think of our emotions coming from our brain. It's like we use our brain to try to communicate our emotions, but it's overall more of a fluid body feeling. And its location is right at the level of the reproductive organs. And that's really important, as you'll see that we'll get into. So for those of you just listening, go to DuckDuckGo or Google or whatever and look up Svadhisthana Chakra. So it's spelled S-V-A-D-H-I-S-T-H-A-N-A, Svadhisthana, and then Chakra, C-H-A-K-R-A. So it took me a little while to find uh, the most accurate one. Um, so what you'll want to look for is not the orange one, um, but one with six red petals. And on the inside of the circle, there's a very large kind of golden light brown symbol. There are two figures in the middle and then there's an alligator and then there's a gray crescent moon so if you don't find that exact one just something close to that so that you can kind of follow along with what i'm explaining 
So the things that we're going to look at the most here are the big golden symbol and the crescent moon. So when we think of the location of Svadhisthana, think of the crescent moon and the color of the crescent moon. These three components are really why it's located at the level of the reproductive organs. So at least what I have been told by my teachers and what I've researched is that the crescent moon with the points kind of going up represents the cradle of the pelvic floor and the color either that light gray or a milky white has to do with the reproductive fluids and this gets into something really important regarding Svadhisthana because it is and has been the most controversial out of them because of how they or how it directly correlates to and works with sexual energy or um, the forces around reproduction, right? Because if you think about it, um, these fluids in us are the literal creative um, blocks to forming life, human life. So the location of Svadhisthana Chakra, the crescent moon with the points facing up, and the color of the moon are three important aspects that um, really indicate why it's located at the re at the level of reproductive organs and, and it really has to do with the tie between the reproductive fluids the life that comes out of that and creative energy and <clears throat> I know that's tricky. I know creative energy is a tricky combination of words. Um, I think just because the they've been overtly spiritualized and not seen as something just practical, right? And so the way that I like to approach the understanding of the force that I have within me to create life and the utilization of its creativity is up to me personally. And I think this is something really important to realize as just a human being, because largely we're inundated with all kinds of um, inadvertent pressure or seemingly advertent pressure to be hypersexualized. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just the way our society is going. I mean, if you look at the last 200 years from oppression and repression and suppression to kind of open um, expression and 
what I'm finding as an interesting test is how as an individual, I can see all of that budding in, in society. I can see how the open expression of sexuality is, is opening more and more that there's an opportunity to be creative with it so that that opening isn't kind of hijacked by people and by organizations and by possible media. Um, and, you know, who knows if that's overt or not. It's just that with that opportunity, um, there's room for manipulation for sure. And so I like to think that then between an overt release sexually, that that energy can be channeled into things that personally I may find more productive. And really that's only one part of Svadhisthana, right? And that's the one that's most focused on. However, using that opportunity to be creative, um, I've found it within myself to look at other avenues in which it can be explored. And I've had the help of teachers to point these out. And so, just looking at the, the symbol itself, what are prominent say if you took the you know the alligator and the um, figures away is that symbol right and this is where it gets into the bija mantra and how rather than an arousal from the center to be spontaneous and almost out of nowhere and kind of like take the wind out of you and direct you into an externalized expression that that arousal can be simulated through the practice and by doing particular asanas by doing particular pranayama focusing in on this symbol chanting the bija mantra which now is VAM, V-A-M, VAM. And so the relationship with that energy changes because now it's no longer just unconscious and just comes out of nowhere. It's like the body is building up hormones. The body is doing these things without you really noticing it. And all of a sudden you just get this like huge dump and huge release and that arousal kicks in and then suddenly um, you want to express it. Where in a yoga practice, focusing on Svadhisthana, doing particular asanas, you can simulate that, like I was saying, and direct it consciously towards the things that you are being creative about. If that's art, if that's music, if that's a podcast, if that is schoolwork, it, whatever it is that you are at the helm or you are in the driving seat of where this energy goes into. And where I want to take a step back from here is that I'm not talking about magic 
ritual. I'm actually talking about doing things physiologically to put pressure and heat and openness and um, activity into that center so that it actually affects what your hormones are doing by how you change your circulation through breathing, how you are putting pressure in those areas to then stimulate certain glands and to then do certain stretches to open the area up. So this can actually be viewed very practically, um, physiologically, simply by removing the kind of overt occult aspects of it, right? So if you did watch the first episode of the chakras, I go into quite a bit of how there are key figures in our world from the early 1900s who had presented information um, in a way that took away clarity on specifically Svadhisthana. So the character um, I'm mainly talking about here is Charles Webster Leadbeater and his book, The Chakras, and how he emitted everything um, regarding Svadhisthana. He didn't talk about it at all. And that was at a time where sexual repression was um, innate in society. And he was living in London, England, right? So I don't want to dive too much into that because I want to stay at kind of on course with really looking at the chakra. But removing the esoteric side of it or not so much the esoteric but more so the occult side of it the magical ritual side and you see it more in the lens of science where that you're performing an experiment and your experiment is i have this equation of postures plus breathing techniques plus mantra plus visualization equals what, right? So at first, you may not get the answer to that equation on the first try of putting them together, right? Because then each variable has like sub parts to it that you have to also explore. And so this is where the experiment is an ongoing procedure where you are applying the fundamentals to your body and having an experience of those variables. And so over time, you're going to see that the answer in the end is going to start to shape. And that can be the indicating factor of what it does psychologically and behaviorally to you, right? And so I think this is the most important part of, of Swadhisthana here is when you are not active in that way, you're not applying any kind of focus of posturing or anything, any kind of yoga into that. Think of any kind of water that sits still. It becomes stagnant, right? Just like when you have a river that is used to flowing, gets dammed by a beaver, that where the beaver dammed, 
starts to grow algae and starts to grow all sorts of stuff that becomes inherently toxic. And so leaving it to be unconscious, leaving the waters of your being without any flow, that stagnant energy starts to affect how your psychology and your behavior is going to be. And that does sound anecdotal. But the way that I want to understand this is, say, the um, biodiversity of bacteria in your stomach, right? That if you're only drinking soda, eating fast food, eating a lot of oily, deep-fried foods, what kind of effect is that going to have on your stomach compared to foods that are rich in minerals and vitamins? Um, your diet composed mainly of uh, fruits and vegetables and water and um, you know, healthy, clean meat if you're eating meat. I think there's a clear comparison here of what the state of the digestive system is going to be. So that's how I kind of compare it to that anecdotal story of the waters and one being stagnant, one being not. That the effect of a very poor diet is going to have this element of stagnance, right? Whereas if we are feeding ourselves a lot of clean food, that cleanliness is going to show up within this chakra. So I just want to take a step back for a second and recognize that <clears throat> the relationship with an idea like Svadhisthana is known just as that. It's an idea and it's up to us to create the relationship with our actual body with that idea and to see what comes out of it, right? And what I've found come out of it is when I've done the work on that center, I've done the posturing, I've done the breathing techniques, I enabled there to be flow so that it isn't any damning that my relationships to other people becomes more harmonious. And so that kind of clean feeling within myself is outwardly expressed, right? Without so much needing effort. So... I don't really have to like think about think of it so much. I don't have to say to myself, "Oh my god, okay, I'm just getting so angry at this person, just who they are, like everything they are, they're just super annoying and I have to like stop myself from doing that." Where my acceptance of that person is nearly immediate because of the acceptance of myself. Right, and, and we hear that. However, here's another level to it. 
most of us have gone through some kind of sexual repression or suppression or even oppression. And through any one of those, there comes insecurities and doubts. And what I've found is by channeling that sexual energy in and by doing the work to look at it, to look at my suppressions and oppressions and repressions and to utilize that creative force to feed me and to feed the outpouring of creation through my music, um, these kind of podcasts, um, whatever other art, through my work, through my relationship, that the triggering is no longer there. Just want to take a moment to talk about my new book, Future Life Regression, Meeting Your Future Self. Meeting Your Future Self is a manual of exercises and meditations that I've put together over the last 12 years of practicing, studying, and teaching yoga here locally and all over the world. The exercises and meditations allow you to dive into your heart so that you can expand into its intelligence, open into a space of unconditional love, compassion, and empathy that then creates and sends an invite to a potential future self. And the benefit of doing this is that you come in contact with a version of yourself that is the most harmonious for you. So the person that you are wanting to become actively where the intentions that you have for your life, the um, growth in your career or your job or the um, side hustle of your passion, your art, all of what makes you as a person are leading towards a version of yourself that is the embodiment of abundance. And so this book has everything that you need to get to really know how to do it, how to contact your future self. And with it, I um, tell stories of my past. I tell stories of my yoga adventures and my ideas, philosophies, and theories of kind of where this is all going and why it's important to do this work. So you can find Future Life Regression Meeting Your Future Self on my website, zorananda.com. You can find it on Amazon, Goodreads, Chapters, etc. And there are three primary forms of it, ebook, paperback, and hardcover. So we'll get back to the episode on Svadhisthana Chakra. The immediate kind of anger or annoyance or whatever ill-gotten feeling towards someone 
is non-existent. And that's really because all of that suppression has been relieved. And the acceptance of what I've gone through and who I am is much more powerful and can exude out of me without even having to think about it. And I know that sounds like bullshit um, because at any point, anyone can be super annoying. <laughs> so, however, for myself personally, I've, I've really come to terms with my immediate impression and approach to someone. And so that when I look at them, the relief of not having to judge them comes out of that presence of I have acceptance for myself and how I am and who I am. And I've practiced and I've implemented that acceptance for years. And now I can interact with other people and not feel the shame intuitively and unconsciously of the repression that I've been subjected to and the insecurity that comes out of it. So looking at the chakra and looking at everything about it, that symbol, which is so large, is representative of that presence and how it's tied to this vibration, this sound of bomb where the meaning, because it's a bija mantra, it actually doesn't have any inherent meaning. It's not like an English word where you immediately have a definition to it. It doesn't have a definition to it. And so you can apply the meaning you want to it through intent. So when you're doing the vam and you're Focusing on Svadhisthana, you're imagining the yantra or the sim or the the geometry, and you're chanting into it. You can intend to utilize the sexual energy and the creative energy to be a presence of acceptance for other people. And that is what makes this chakra so powerful because it's directly dealing with that. And so then your water, and, and I'm saying this kind of colloquially, the water of your mind can then go in and take the shape of the container. And so when you're interacting with another person, they are a container. And so when you approach them and you're interacting with them, 
your presence and the fluidity of that care and that creativity and the passion and um, joy can go into them. And so that they have more of an opportunity to reflect that back. Because there are 7 billion plus people on this planet and anyone at any time can reject all of that, right? And so this is why it's particularly a personalized, internalized process. And why it's the second chakra, right? There's still more to do. This chakra can't do everything. And as long as you feel like you're getting a grip on how to utilize the sexual energy for creativity is a win in, in my eyes. And here's an example, right? Guys, girls, whoever getting friend zoned, right? You're interested in another person. You're attracted to them. That attraction is really strong. It's correctly or directly kicking up all this arousal and you just can't help yourself. You really want to be intimate with this person. What becomes available by looking through the lens of yoga, looking through the lens of Svadhisthana. So that's that's really what's happening. This event is happening, right? This arousal. And so you can have no lenses and you can just let that arousal go wild and you go, okay, this is what it's telling me to do. I'm going to go do it. Or you put on the lens of yoga. You put on the lens of Svadhisthana. Then you allow yourself to peer through those lenses into that energy looking at this person and you go, you know what? I've not been really getting signs that this person wants to reciprocate um, something intimate with me and we've been getting along and we are like spontaneously coming up with adventures to go on or projects to work on or music to create or art to create, whatever. Things just naturally come up easily to, to do together. And so using those two lens, what you can do is you can express your attraction to that person. So yes, you can be honest. You can say, you know what? I'm attracted to you. And... I recognize that you may not have that same attraction. Um, if you do, that's great. That's a that's a bonus. And I want to do everything that I can to be the friend that I am and to direct that attraction towards these fun adventures that we're going on or this art that we're creating or the music that we're making because... That feels really good. And what you'll find is a so much more harmonious reaction 
then not having any of those lenses, not having anything to um, bring clarity towards where it's just streamlined into, hey, I'm really attracted to you and, um, you know, I think we should be intimate together because that's undermining everything else because there's so much more going on. And why not, if there is a mutual attraction, allow it to build up in its potency a little bit more so that naturally what comes out is an equanimity between both of you. And that's really the hardest part in all of this, right? And that's one example. Um, I'm sure there are plenty, plenty more. And I think the last kind of thing I want to get into with this is the the patience that's involved and the enjoyment of all these different states of Svadhisthana Chakra. So looking at um, the state um, of water, right? Going through phases of solid, liquid, and gas. Where, if you can imagine, the ice is hard and cold and emits this cold and kind of burns people when they touch it because it's so cold. Where... The gas is like a steam and um, it's it's surprising and it um, is kind of shocking, especially if it's a hot steam. And then there's fluidity and liquid and water that can form to its environment, right? That can be put into a container and take the shape of its container. And... What f- force causes the fluctuation is too complicated to predict and to fully understand because that is dealing directly with your fluctuation of emotional states. So the patience in working with Svadhisthana is going to allow... For you to observe all the different states and to know what's appropriate in their actions. And that's going to change with each and every person. You know, I think it's um, kind of naive for me to generalize it or to um, turn it into some kind of absolute. And so what's important is that looking through the lens of yoga and svadhisthana as often as possible and so that the yantra itself is largely embedded within your mind and it acts as a significant reminder of how potent that energy is how potent the creativity is and the 
confidence in taking it in a direction that amplifies that creativity. And so that I think can be a fundamental feature of not predicting the emotional fluctuations, but being prepared for any one of them. And that's really what yoga is about. It's about preparation. It's so that when you go out to the world and you're faced with forces that make you uncomfortable, you've just done a practice or will be doing a practice that puts you into discomfort, really. A lot of the postures are innately uncomfortable and the only way around it is through breathing through it, sitting with it, and relaxing, right? So I think I'll leave it there. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching, for listening. You can find me on Instagram at yogi.zorananda. Uh, my website is zorananda.com. This is also streamed in a variety of different places. But most importantly, like, subscribe, hit the bell button so you can get notifications for more of these episodes. Um, the next episode, I'm going to be interviewing another guest. So thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day and enjoy. Enjoy.